What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast presented by House Enterprise. I'm your host, Jared Magazine, just your neighborly normal guy with a lazy eye here connecting with incredible people who have unbelievable stories to tell. Episode 72, it's here. I can't believe it, guys. This is this story is crazy. Uh, just the fact that this podcast has been going on since August of 2020. You guys have been sticking around. This show is growing. It, you guys are amazing. And this next guest is someone that I have been wanting to get on this show since August of 2020. And I am just so thankful and so happy that it finally happened. Georgia Perkins, better known as Goodness with G on social media, is joining the show today to talk all about her holistic health coaching journey, uh, everything that came to be with her page Goodness with G, her yoga sculpting career, and everything in between. This has got to be one of my favorite interviews that I've done in recent memory. We just we're just two peas in a pod to use a very healthy uh, analogy there. But Georgia is an absolute gem of a person. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to her story. I'm so excited for you to get some really good tidbits from this week's episode. So without further ado, please enjoy the one and only Georgia Perkins. This is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye-opening experience. Well, everyone, we are back with another incredible interview with an incredible guest. This one has been on my list for a long time now, and I'm so excited she's able to join us today. Georgia Perkins is the voice behind the popular social media account, Goodness with G. Georgia is a holistic uh, health coach and one hell of a yoga instructor. Let me tell you that. Take my word for it. Georgia, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? Thank you. It's such a great intro. You're hi really hyping me up, which is what I need. You deserve um, it. You deserve it. <laughs> thank you. I'm, I'm great. I'm so excited. I've been really looking forward to this too. And like you said, we've been chatting for a long time and life has just been so crazy. So I'm finally glad to like, well, one talk, but just get back into, like, into doing fun things like this. So yes. that's a huge win. So love that. Yes. You've been quite the busy bee lately. Congratulations on the marriage again, this past November. I, I know I've already told you this, but for my listeners, your wedding looked like something out of a dream. The <laughs> one and you. only Palmia is like, like a dream destination location. My parents like love vacationing there and they rub it in <laughs> my nose like every single time they go. So just seeing that you got married there, I was like, that, that's the goal. That's the um, goal. <laughs> it, it really is so special. It's so funny you say that because my parents had, they have gone together, just the two of them several times. And right people keep asking us like, Oh, have you guys stayed here before? I'm like, well, no. Cause I never get invited on my parents' vacations when they never. go together, but actually Sam and I had gone to Cabo with my family several times. And we grew, both grew, kind of grew up going there with, as kids, but right. we would um, like rent a house close by to the resort like, with my family. Um, but they saved like actually staying there for themselves. <laughs> but anyway, so it was fun to finally have an event there, which was my wedding, but yes. it, was, it was so special and it's super, it's a really intimate environment. It's pretty small. And it, it's, it was a really special place, you know, Absolutely. to have like Absolutely. My parents rave about it. My dad, I don't know if your, your parents know about like the hat system there, but it's, if you, cool. like, depending on how many times you stay, yeah. so each, each time you say you get a new hat and if you get the quote unquote, the black hat, I was like, you've been there the the most amount of times that they have for the hat. That's so funny. And now my dad has the black hat and he thinks he's like the man the president of Mexico. I mean, <laughs> it's so funny because literally right on my my bulletin board's like right next to me at my desk. And I have the white, it's like a white one and only plummy hat. And it's like a baseball cap that they put in yeah. your 
in your room or get whatever yeah, exactly. day. Um, oh my God, that is so funny. I'm going to have to ask my parents. I, again, yeah. I personally am by no, <laughs> I'm a veteran, but they've been several times. So I'll have to ask what it's like a black belt in karate. Is that like, it's no, literally you know, that's it. literally exactly. the goal, I guess yeah, that's like, well, so funny. Apparently like, with, like my parents, like the time that my dad got the black hat when he was walking around the pool, like people were literally coming up to him and be like, Oh, you have the black hat. Like he's you know, a big, he's like a big wig. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. that is so funny. That's he loved it. That just like fed his ego. <laughs> he's like absolutely eating it up. That's yeah, great. I love it. I love it. So you know so rewinding a little bit here you grew up in leewood kansas just about 15 miles outside of kansas city can you talk to us a little bit about life growing up in the your georgia perkins now but in the thompson household growing up um so yeah i'm technically grew up in a it's a suburb of kansas city Mm -hmm. um kind of south kansas city um leewood's technically like a little town but right um i gotta give it its props i can't you know yeah i know it was Wonderful. I don't want to say Kansas City and then you be like, well, it's actually Leewood, you know? <laughs> right. I think whenever anyone asks me where I'm from, I always say Kansas City because technically Fair. it's a part of it. But, um, but yeah, it was a really wonderful place to grow up. I get asked that a lot because I haven't lived there. I mean, gosh, now in four and eight, sorry, eight, almost nine years kind of yeah. thing. So I've college and then moving to Austin and we have a lot of family down in Texas, but we grew up spending um, a lot of our summers and things like that down here going to summer camp and whatever. And so, you know, I feel like I had a lot of friends that weren't from Kansas city and people had always mm. been, what is it like <laughs> being from Kansas? You know, like people that had never been there or were not familiar. Um, and it just was really wholesome. I mean, that sounds sort of corny, but it really was. Um, and it was a wonderful place to be raised. I think it's a very grounded environment. Mm. Um, and I really enjoyed going back there. My parents still live there. I think my, well, my mom's from Texas. My dad's from Kansas city, which is why we, you know, grew up there, but I think eventually they'll make their way down back to Texas. My mom's been gone for what, 30 years. And she's been like, count literally still counting down the days. Like, when can I move back? Like a Texan through and through, but, um, (laughs) but truly I, I really, I think I have a greater appreciation for it now looking back. Um, because, you know, I think it's when you're, you know, grow up in a place and you go preschool through high school with the same group of people, basically, you know, you're, everyone's ready to get out and meet some people and whatever. But, um, now when I go back, I, I really do have a greater appreciation for it. Cause now that I feel like I've seen, you know, just more of the world living elsewhere and traveling and things like that, and met people from so many different places, it gives me even a greater appreciation of like, this was just a really grounded, well-rounded environment. Mm -hmm. Um, that's like set me up for a lot of success, little did I know then, but now, but, um, anyway, don't know if that really answers your question. No, it, I have it a very absolutely. Spot in my heart. No, for my I hometown. love that. I love that. And I think you, you bring up such a good point because I think we're both at that point in our lives where like, you know, like I, I was the same way I traveled, um, away from home to go to college. I, I went to the East coast now that I live in the East coast and I love it here. And I like, feel like I'm actually making a home here. I do right. think like part of me is like, I don't want to move back to California yet, but I'm like, you know, there's just those pieces that kind of like, it's probably because I'm sitting here in the middle of February, it's 20 degrees and like yeah. my friends in California, it's like sunny and 75, but like, it's those types of things where right. you kind of like are growing out and you, to, into being who you are, but then you kind of remember those fa- foundations and pillars you had as a kid that, and it's really came from where you grew up as a kid and the places oh, that you for were. Sure. So yeah, I, I, 
everyone goes to that stage where they're kind of like, def- I don't know if defiant is the right word, but oh, you 100%. want to push against, you know, you want yeah. the opposite. Of go against the grain. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you feel like you want to go experience something different, which is normal and good. And you should go experience different things. But I think they're, you know, having a little bit of distance from it makes you realize like, oh, that really made me appreciate certain things or, um, or kind of crave certain things from my adult life, you know, now, mm. and now that we're, we're by no means like in the kids that are not a thing that we're like looking to have anytime soon. But you know I mean? You're kind of like, okay, we're married. Like you start thinking of things like five years from now, you settle yeah. down and I don't think we'll end up back in my hometown by any means, but it makes you think of like, what, you know, what type of environment would I want to have kids in? And you kind of Absolutely. think about what did I like about my own sort of childhood situation that, um, that either you want to repeat or not, you know, and exactly. It, you think about things a lot differently than, you once did, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So did your love for like making food or kind of like the exercise stuff, did that come from any influences in your family? Like how did this all start? For sure. I, it's so funny you say that because literally last night I was, um, just cooking dinner and I was making a recipe that it's not my own recipe. It's, it's like an Ina garden recipe. My mom makes all the time. Um, mm. and it's like a steak and arugula salad. That's so good. But I was literally thinking as I'm making this, I'm like, I am so grateful that my mom taught me how to cook and that it, yeah. I have an appreciation for it. Um, and it's something that, that I actually enjoy um, because now, you know, I have a lot of clients in my health coaching practice that um, many of whom feel the same way and really enjoy cooking. And then I have a lot of clients that just hate it. And so that's a challenge. We have to like figure out how to make it enjoyable and fun. And something that's not a chore. And I, I really do feel grateful that it's something that I cherish. And I think that was a obviously a big part of my family growing up that comes from somewhere. And my mom was a great cook and cooked, just cooked a lot. Um, mm. We ate home a lot. Um, and it really, I guess I was probably like high school, early high school, late middle school, maybe my mom and dad sort of went on their own kind of health journey. Oh, <laughs> good for them. <laughs> we we love that for them. To, you're right. I know. And really we were too young to really care or pay attention, but yeah. you know, they really started getting into um, fitness and just, you know, cooking healthier and things like that. And my mom always was more bent that way, but I think that they, they kind of turned to this corner. It it was sort of, I now look back on it and see things definitely had a shift and that my mom just really became very interested in wellness and health. And a lot of things I do now for my career, she really kind of paved that way for me. And so we just, that conversation around nutrition and diet and, um, you know, in living a active lifestyle and things like that, were just kind of a normal for me mm-hmm. more growing up and in a very balanced, normal way. And so I think that really kind of sowed some of those seeds of, you know, a love for diet and all that kind of stuff. But really before it was like trendy, I remember yeah. like literally in like high school or you know, early high school, my mom would send me to school with like, you know, whole foods, like pasta salad from like the pre-made bar or whatever, which is by no means anything crazy, but like, that was weird food. You know what I mean? Like people were like, what the heck are you eating? You know what I mean? That was very similar age, obviously that, you know, we grew up in the age of pop tarts and I was going to say, where was your PB and J? If if you're not bringing a PB and J, anything else is weird. Yes. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the Ruffles potato chips, the cheeses or whatever. And then if you, but if you like, I just remember like the kids that brought, like, I, I always called them like the premier lunches. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like oh, they just had like the way, like you were like, if I go to trade something with them, I have to bring something good because and they're, they're going to have ch- good stuff. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. 
And that was, you know, and we definitely, as like little kids, you know, we, de- my sister and I definitely, we had a lot of, you know, Captain Crunch and who would that kind of too. Honestly, I think it's good. And you need to, you're as a kid, I think you need to have that balance too. If you're that, you know, the kid that never is allowed to have chips or whatever, that doesn't necessarily set you up for a long-term success. Now that I kind of can see it from more of a health coach perspective that having all those things be off limits only makes you, sets you up to then go off to college or whatever and exactly. dive deeply into yeah, you know, just really poor eating <laughs> habits. So it's all a balance, but yeah, I was, I was honestly, I morphed into that kid who my mom was making me, you know, PB and J with like on like cranberry almonds bread from, you know, whole foods with like, you know, natural peanut butter and that kind of stuff. And I was like, I'm the weird kid, but yeah. <laughs> here we are now. And, you know, it, it, we had both ends of the spectrum, I feel like. And um, anyway, but that really did, I think, kind of set sort of the groundwork for just my love for nutrition and wellness and fitness and all that stuff. Totally. Uh, Mom knows best, right? I mean, the, the PB&J on cranberry, like grain bread sounds actually pretty good. I'm not going to lie. It was- <laughs> highly honestly highly recommend it was fantastic but even now like my mom is still you know still very interested in all these kind of things and she actually even went through the um now this just reminds me but she went through the health coaching program that I did about maybe six months later or something Mm -hmm. after I or maybe right as I was finishing up she started it and she's not coaching but solely just because she kind of saw my experience going through um, you know, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and thought it was really cool. I was like, I just want to do this to learn. And so she did it too. So we have a lot in common, I think that way. And it's fun to have, you know, some, we have a lot of similar interests, obviously. Absolutely. All, all those realms. Yeah. I think for me, like when I, the reason why I didn't get into cooking at that young of an age was because I always remembered just with respect to like my schedules and like sports and stuff, like right. the last thing I wanted to do was like get into the kitchen. And like, I think for yes. me, that was like, setting myself up. I don't want to say for failure, but just like now I like, I, I'm more, I'm more of your everyday chef. I, I can do the <laughs> quick and easy stuff, hey, but like, so make, right. Exactly. Like my girlfriend's more like the, like when she wants to make a dinner on a Sunday night or like on a weekend night, I'm like, yes. Yeah, you got. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like I, I just, I, it, it can be daunting sometimes at, at, at a younger age to look at the kitchen and be like, oh man, like, because yes. cooking is a science and if you don't have you know I don't know if you don't have your bearings it can For be sure. a little bit more intimidating than, than oh definitely stuff. which is yeah. why starting young is so important it's so cliche and like you're the, like the start your kids in the kitchen whatever but it's so true because now I can look back I'm like I just am comfortable in the kitchen because my mom cooked with us a lot right you know she would get us involved and she really loved the charge but she would help us and talk to us about how you put things together and why you do things and so I just sort of have a maybe a deeper understanding than maybe the average person. I don't know. If I'm again by no means a chef, but <laughs> I think I just you you learn how to put certain things together and what would taste good. And you know, I don't know. And what's how on hand, I think is a big thing too. And that yes, I do pride myself in the ability, I think, to whip up a relatively decent meal with whatever I have, um, which I think can be a huge setback or a challenge for a lot of people. Like I don't have the ingredients and I can't make a recipe, you know, or we have to follow a specific recipe to have a meal when that's really not the case at all. Usually it's just having a basic understanding of a few things to have on hand. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I do think that getting just involved in the kitchen at a young age made me confident because I never really had to think about it. You know what I mean? You just kind of, you have, it's more, it comes much more naturally to you as an adult, you know? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So you went on to study at Wake Forest University, where you got your degree in communications with minors in psychology, entrepreneurship, and social enterprise. That's that's a lot to put on one piece of paper, I got to say. It's a mouthful. <laughs> I know. That's- I, I was reading that back, I was like, man, I, that wow. was a lot. <laughs> I know. I, they, I think they changed the, well, when I was there, they, so the minor was technically, okay, there are two separate things, but I had a minor <laughs> in psychology. Yeah. And I had another minor in it's entrepreneurship and social enterprise, which is like right. just the wordiest thing. I think now right. they call it something else that's more succinct. Thank God. It's got to be like an acronym or something. I know. Now. Like, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's so funny. I'm like, that was it's my most long-winded way to say entrepreneurship. I'm like, I don't know. I think they took maybe took out the social enterprise aspect of it. I don't know. But I, anyway, I, <laughs> but interesting so, stuff. <laughs> yeah. What made you, what made you, like, at what point did you decide you wanted to be your own boss? Like, what made you want to go down like the entrepreneurship realm? That's a really great question. And if Sam, my husband, which I, that's so still, so weird. Still getting used to it. I feel like I'm too young to say that, but anyway, he would be, he always likes to chime in on this topic because I am someone who I think I think of myself as being very risk adverse Mm -hmm. and Sam, my husband also went to Wake Forest. We were in the same grade and everything. And he also had a minor in entrepreneurship and we actually had some classes together and he, you know, I remember talking to, he likes to bring up this story. He was like, I remember having conversations with you in those classes that in me saying, you know, I would never do this. And right. you, you know, you had to go through those different projects and things like that, where you like create a fake business with a group and you go through the business plan and the business model. And you, you know, you kind of create, like you model what it would be like to launch a startup kind of thing. Right. And he was so good at that kind of stuff. He still is. He's very entrepreneurial and very, you know, adept in with those types of things. Um, and I just was like, I hate this. This seems yeah. awful. It seems so stressful. And I just was not my jam. And now he likes to laugh because he's like, in look of the two of us, you're the one that, you know, he has his variety of own entrepreneurial outlets and things like that. But he's like, you're the one that's really doing it, which is mm. funny because I I don't think of it in the same way, but I guess it is maybe because I'm not like on a team of with a startup or something. It's more of my own. Yeah. I was going to say like, sometimes with those classes, like it can just be like this, this isn't how it may go. Like, and that's because it, because it's a class, it's, it can kind of come off as like a cookie cutter because if right. everyone's kind of like, okay, we have a group of five or we have a, you know, like, and we have to have, these are our deadlines for the same yeah. thing for everybody's like, that's why I think entrepreneurship is such a, a hard thing to teach. Like I applaud it, it, programs like Babson that do that. Right. But I just think it can be so difficult to teach entrepreneurship because yes. entrepreneurship as a definition is just kind of throwing in, throwing yourself into the fire, like trial by fire. Right. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing is it's, you really only learn by doing. And so it's mm. hard to simulate that. Yeah. That's, I, I found it was very challenging too. And I learned a lot in those classes, but, you know, to answer your question, I, in the model of like my family, for example, you know, my dad is an orthodontist, which he's a doctor and I have a lot of doctors in my family, but if you really think about it, they are entrepreneurs in the way that they, you know, he has his own business and he's right. his own boss. And that was really the example that I think was set for me. And I think it took me a while to really understand that entrepreneurship didn't have to look like going in, you know, getting investors and 
you know, creating this startup and you have to go into a think tank. And, you know, I was like, that's just not my jam. That's right. more Sam's jam. I'm like, I, I don't know more. When I think of entrepreneurship, I think of being my own boss and setting my own schedule and being in, you know, invested mm-hmm. energetically, financially in my own business. Um, but it took me a while to kind of get to that point. I think that, you know, I, right out of school, I went into a corporate job and which I hated and realized quickly that I was not cut out for that corporate corporate world. Right. I went back to school to get my MBA and through that process kind of thought like, okay, I'll go, you know, I'll, I want to go get a job at a, like a health and wellness company. That was always my goal right out of school was to, I knew I wanted to move to Austin and, you know, places like Whole Foods, you know, there's a lot of other like healthy food brands and things like that, that are headquartered here. So I was right off the bat, like in college, I spent my entire like junior and senior year, like networking with these companies and thinking that I would end up doing, I don't God knows what, what, communication, (laughs) marketing, I don't know, for one of these companies and was so bummed that it, you know, never worked out. I went into a, a recruiting role at a big, it was an IT staffing firm Mm -hmm. in town and they recruited a lot heavily through a lot of different universities. Um, and just knew that was not my jam, but moral story <laughs> really did not like it. it. Was very just had kind of a very early quarter life crisis, um, and then I actually went back to grad school to kind of figure it out. I was like, I just maybe I need some more time. School's comfortable for me. I always loved school. I loved being a student. I was like, let's just figure it out. And I thought that that would be the opportunity for me to get the experience that every job says that you need, but no one right out of school has to then go get the job at Whole Foods or whatever that I wasn't qualified for right. as a new grad or right. yeah, as a new grad. So yeah, having an undergrad degree. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I thought that, okay, that's it. And then into that grad program, it, I, that's when I launched my blog. I was like, you know what, I'm going to go do some things that really just interest me that are fun. I went back and got my yoga school teaching certification, things that challenged me that were scary, but that were in the field that I really wanted to be in and just kind of wanted to test the waters and see like, where will this lead me? Who knows? And was doing those things. And it very quickly became apparent that one, I wanted to make that my full-time job. And two, I really didn't want to go back and work for a big company, regardless of who it was like, Mm. you know, the sexy Whole Foods name or whatever it was is at the end of the day is still a big corporate company. I'm like, what I'm actually doing is what matters. You know what I mean? Like who I work for doesn't necessarily make that big of a difference. It's, you know, what's my day-to-day life? What, what am I getting out of this? Is it meaningful? And so I think it very through a kind of personally tumultuous time, just emotionally and kind of working through a lot of these things, like what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Yeah. Figured out, you know, actually, maybe I am more entrepreneurial than I had thought. And maybe that can look different than what I imagined that had to look like, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. it was a kind of, it was not a linear journey necessarily, but whose is, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. No one's is, but yeah, that's sort of how I ended up, I guess, being a quote unquote entrepreneur and starting my business and it's grown into, you know, coaching and doing all the things I do now. Absolutely. And and kind of going back to your point earlier about being your own boss, now that, you know, you are your own job, your, your life is your job, your job is yeah. your life. What has been the biggest challenge for being your own boss? That's like another really great question. I mean, it, it is what I love most about my job. It's also what is the most challenging, I think, mm-hmm. in that you are, that I'm so deeply invested in it, not just like financially, but emotionally, you know what I mean? Right. Like it's, it's not one of those things where you, you know, you clock your nine to five or you do your tasks for the day and then you get to log off and go home and watch TV. Like I'm always on and that, you know, how much I put into it, 
I feel is how much I get out of it. And I think, you know, I'm someone who's very achievement oriented and I like to be productive and get things done. And I I'm, can be hard on myself in that way. So it's my biggest challenge. I think with that is, is letting go and giving myself rest and space and understanding it's okay to just not do everything sometimes. Right. So that's really something I've made a huge goal of mine in the past several months. I think just kind of being okay with taking your foot off the gas a little bit and understanding that that actually makes you more productive and allows space to be creative and things like that. So the hardest part to answer your question, I think is, you know, is giving yourself some grace maybe. And that, you know, you have to be very self-motivated as being your own boss, which I am. But on the other hand, you have to also be gentle with yourself and kind and how you would treat an employee who is, you know, having a really tough week or is overwhelmed, you know? So, um, yeah, I think the best part of it is that you're so invested because you get to reap the benefit of how much you put in. But on the other hand, there is very, it's hard to differentiate, you know, your life and your work sometimes because you are quote unquote, your, your job, you know what I mean? Exactly. That's sort of the hard thing about it is it's, it's not, it's a very kind of gray area as to what's what's work and what's life. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. So I kind of want to rewind back a little bit because, you know, goodness with G has been around for about three years now. Where did you find, like, was there a certain moment or collection of moments where you began to be more open to posting about your health habits, your workout plans? Like, how did this all, like, boom, here we go. It's going to turn into what it is today. Yeah. I mean, I think really throughout, you know, like, like we said earlier, you know, I've always really been interested in health and wellness and nutrition. It was always things that just really interest me, interest, mm. interested me, but, you know, <laughs> I, I think I always knew that I, that a more well-rounded kind of holistic approach was what I was the approach that spoke to me and that, I don't know. So for example, you know, I could have gone back and got a master's in nutrition or something like that. And I think that, and I really, I thought about that when I went back to school and really looked into those programs and decided that, that first of all, math and science were just not, <laughs> so that was a huge, you know, part of it, but yeah. also, you know, I think that element was really important, but there were so many other things I was interested in as well. And so I think I always had those passions and I was reading about those things and studying them on my own and implementing a lot of those, you know, things about nutrition and diet and wellness, whatever in my own life. But Mm -hmm. I was really very not comfortable at all, you know, sharing on social media, posting, things like that. Um, Especially, you know, college and things like that. Just, it was not, I, I had this fear that if I, you know, started an Instagram or a blog, like my friends would make fun of me. I think that was a huge thing or people think would think X, Y, Z thing about me or would think that I knew it all or that I was, you know, you go through these, there's a lot of the internal chatter that really doesn't mean anything. And honestly, through my kind of my journey, post-college moving to a new city, getting into a job that was really miserable in kind of having a life crisis, like, what am I going to do? What do I want to do? What am I qualified to do? What's going to be meaningful, whatever. I've kind of realized I had this real moment after many meltdowns, trust me, of, you know, it's like, just screw it. Like, I'm just going to do things that make me, make me happy and that challenge me and that are, you know, maybe there'll be a huge fail, but we'll see. So, you know, like I said earlier, I started my blog. I went back and became, you know, went through teacher training, all these things that were very uncomfortable. And 
I would never say that I was shy or that I lacked like confidence like that, but you know, public speaking, not my thing, did not like, you know, getting up in front of a group of people or even like talking, you know, on a podcast would have been (laughs) nerve wracking, you know, someone I didn't know, like a little bit of social anxiety for sure. And things like that. And so through that process of like putting myself out there time, time again, every day, you know, posting or creating content or eventually teaching, like going in front of a room of people that I didn't know, it slowly helped me, I think, build confidence that I could do this. And you know, you kind of, you begin to gain a little bit of momentum. So, I mean, but again, I started with zero followers and then like my mom and Sam first too, you know what I mean? So and you, everyone starts somewhere and it's, yeah. you know, it's a slow burn and, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it will grow and evolve at its own pace. And that's, um, that's totally great. So it's, you know, it's definitely been a journey. And I think through that, I eventually led me into, under learning more about IIN, I was like, okay, wow, maybe this, you know, going back and getting health coaching certification would allow me to really take my business full time and make this an actual business where I could help people and, you know, learn, I guess more myself, but share with people, not just in like a social media sense, but in a more hands-on way, um, and be certified in that way too. So, um, Anyway, I don't, again, I'm rambling answering your question. No, no, I, I, I love that answer. And I love to, I wanted to touch back on the internal conversations because I felt the same exact way about this podcast, right? And like health and wellness is a little bit of a different path because to your point, like who, who, like, who's going to say that I have credibility or like, I, you know, like, who, right. you know, like there's all that, but then too, like for the podcast, for me, it was like, who's going to give a crap about what I have to say. You know what I mean? But right. what I want to, what I, what I want to say about the internal, cause like the internal conversation is you and you, but right. at the end of the day, none of what you're like formulating in your head has even happened yet. So right. nothing's going to happen until you do it. And That's so true. just, just put the internal conversation on mute, do the podcast, do, you know, make the blog post, whatever it is and just say, screw it. Yeah. And see what happens. And, and let me tell you, after doing this for a year and a half, none of the internal conversations that I had have come up. Right. None of them. I love that. No, that's a great point. I think, you know, the people that I think I was worried about, like, Oh God, are they going to think that's weird that I'm doing this? Are the people that honestly are not even my friends anymore? You know what I mean? Or like the people from college you don't really keep in touch with or whatever. And, you know, there was, I'm sure, quite a bit of eye rolling first on like, who does she think she is or whatever? And honestly, those are people that I'm not friends with anymore. And the people that I am really good friends with now are people that a lot of whom are actually in the same space because mm-hmm. we have a lot of things in common. But, you know, I think I also, during that period of my life where I was kind of like, I call it my existential crisis, but it kind of was. Um, but, you know, really made this turn, especially moving to a new city and post-college, I was like, I really want to make more intentional friendships and yeah, surround yeah. myself with people that really bring something to my life and vice versa. Um, and, you know, I've made some of my very best friends actually post-college. And of course I have tons of great friends from there as well, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, people that are really supportive and actually think it's really cool that you're doing your own thing. Cause what I've really found and it's so sort of cliche, but the people that are going to talk about you or, you know, not be supportive of whatever it is you're doing are probably jealous that maybe you're building something really cool or, you know, a little bit in awe that you are doing that and they would never be able to do that or couldn't do it or would be too scared. And so it comes off as, um, you know, it comes from a place of in, in personal insecurity, it really has nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? So absolutely. You yeah, just kind I, of say 
like you said, screw it, whatever. Yeah, and I was going <laughs> to say too, like the people that are going to say, say stuff about you or whatever negatively or whatever, usually aren't going to include you in that conversation. So sure. it shouldn't even matter. Like, yeah. like it, then it becomes a battle of he said, she said. And if it's against, if it's your word against their word about you, you're going right. to win that nine times, nine and a half times out of 10. Right. You know what I mean? So like at the end of the day, uh, yeah, I say, screw it. Just do it. Turn, turn, turn the internal conversation on mute, do it first and then see what happens. Yeah. And like, whether it's a podcast, a blog, whatever, I mean, this is so funny because early on I was very nervous about like any negative feedback like I took that very very seriously and mm-hmm. there's going to be negative feedback period regardless of what you're doing um especially when you're in doing something like you are or I am where you're putting yourself out there and you're putting content into the universe like you're opening yourself up for a lot of positive feedback and you're touching people's lives and you're sharing interesting helpful information but you're also going to get some you know negative comments here and there and whatever um you know but yeah early on that would really hurt me and then I felt like oh god if I you know I did have everyone 1000% supporting me all the time then I was you know it wasn't good you know and they're just first of all stupid and not realistic but right even back then I remember Sam was like you know if you have haters like that means you're doing something right like you're you're putting yourself out there you're trying you're you know you're doing things that those people are not doing, you know, and that's a win. So trying to, I have been better at thinking of it that way of like, kind of comes with the territory of putting yourself out there and the benefit, it always outweighs those couple people that roll their eyes or comment you get or whatever, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So uh, switching gears here a little bit, can you talk to me about what makes a holistic health coach different than that of other health coaches that are out there. Like when I'm making the decision to come to you or any holistic health coach for that matter, what, uh, what should I expect when coming to you versus somebody else? Uh, another great question. I get, well, we actually, I talk about this a lot with like new clients or, you know, prospective clients, whatever. Um, and oftentimes it's, you, you know, phrases, okay, well, what's the difference between you and a nutritionist or a dietitian? Um, because I think right off the bat, when we think of health, we think of diet yep. or in exercise, you know, those two, the two things people like, that's all that matters. Um, not to say those things don't matter. Obviously they do, you know, it's a huge part of what I do. It's, it, we all know that that is factual, but the way that I like to kind of explain it is that, you know, we thinking of the word holistic and that yes, perhaps that could refer to, you know, holistic healing methods or, you know, diving into things like Ayurvedic medicine or traditional Chinese medicine or herbs or whatever, you know, that's what people think of when they think holistic, but I like to explain it more as, you know, we're looking at you as the whole person and, you know, the difference is that we would be looking at these two different areas. We refer to them as integrative nutrition health coaches is what they the kind of the framework that they gave us to use. And I think it's been very helpful to use with clients is these two ideas of primary food and secondary food. Secondary food is what we refer to as diet. You know, it's what's on your plate. It, for example, with clients, you know, we could set goals around in the secondary food realm in regards to, um, you know, getting more creative with meals, adding more greens in, um, you know, are we getting enough protein, you know, what are some examples of complex carbohydrates you could be adding into your diet, whatever, you know, things really diving into diet, nutrition, quote unquote, secondary food. But on the other hand, we have this idea of primary food and that consists of 
all of the other elements of your health and wellness that are non-nutrition based. So we like to say it's like non-nutrition based sources of nourishment. So that consists of everything from relationships to career, to physical activity, um, spirituality, home environment, et cetera, et cetera. So those aspects of your health are, you know, just as important, if not more sometimes than your, your secondary food, quote unquote, that's why it's called primary food. So that to answer your question is kind of what sets you apart and that we would be taking both of those approaches. Whereas oftentimes it depends on the person and the type of practice, but, you know, oftentimes, you know, the nutritionist standpoint or the dietitian standpoint is, you know, let's look at your, you know, macronutrients and let's really dive into, you know, into diet, which for some people that's necessary. You know, I actually, there's a lot of people that I've spoken to over the years that, you know, we get talking and I'm like, actually for your specific needs, I think a dietitian might be exactly what you need, but the whole, you know, as the holistic health coach, what you'd expect from me would be taking all of these things into account. And, you know, we definitely talk about diet for some clients. It's more of a priority than others, depending on their specific needs and their goals and kind of what the situation is. But, right. um, you know, back to kind of the holistic perspective is we're looking at you as the whole person. It's not just your physical health. It's your mental, emotional, spiritual, social, financial health, you know? So mm-hmm. we set goals and really dive deeply into all of those areas. So that's really the main I guess, difference you could say. No, I love that because I think to your point, when people think about health, the first thing, I bet if you ask a hundred people, the first thing they're going to say is, is, is food and diet. Right. But like, we can all agree nowadays that that's not health, right? Like that's a portion of the, like, that's a piece of the pie. It's not the whole pie to use a food analogy, but you know, so I love that that's like more of a, uh, you know, lack of a better term here, holistic view of of everybody's health is kind of just looking at it as, there's definitely going to be certain avenues and, and there are definitely coaches or people or mentors out there that can help you with those specific things. Right. But maybe one coach that can kind of sprinkle a little bit into everything there, I think is super important too. Right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a well-rounded approach too. And yeah. There's some people that might need, you know, a lot of people like are working with me and they also have a therapist, you know, to right. like really dive into XYZ problem that they're having, you know? So it's, it's a little bit more, um, I don't know, I, I guess well-rounded is the term, but it's, it's an approach that I think a lot of people have not considered before. You know, I'm always kind of, I think this is the world I live in. And so yeah. <laughs> I, I'm like thinking of all of these things all the time, but you know, some people are like, oh, I never really thought about how my, you know, mental, emotional health might be impacting my food, deci- my, you know, uh, dietary decisions. I'm like, well, ding, ding, ding. You know, like yeah. it's once we begin to kind of open people's minds as to, you know, you're not focusing on your physical health in a vacuum, people really begin to be more mindful of their everyday decisions, how they're spending their time. And it's like this light bulb moment for so many, which is really cool. You know, it's, it's sad that I guess it's not more common. You know, I think it's common because it's really the world I live in. I think it's becoming much more of a thing that people are just much more in tune with mental health and things like that. But um, it's still, there's definitely still a lot of work to be done. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. So. We're going to take a quick break from this week's episode to talk about our brand new sponsors and a long time coming with TYR. Guys, I've been a part of the swimming community for gosh knows how long. I've been retired for just about three years, but I'm going back in with my friends over at TYR. That's right. TYR has everything you need from swimming to try to anything from biking, running, you name it. 
tier or TYR has got you hooked up. They got a brand new spring collection coming out, and I'm going to hook you guys up. That's right. I'm going to get you 10% off at checkout with the code Jared, J-E-R-O-D, I-G, 10 off. That's right. Jared, J-E-R-O-D, I-G, as in Instagram, 10 off. Going to get you 10% off at checkout with their brand new spring collection. So if you're a swimmer, I know I have swimmers listening to this show biker, uh, triathlete, whatever it may be, head over to TYR, check out their brand new spring collection. And now back to the interview. So uh, kind of on the topic of food though, because you know, uh, you know, food is obviously a big portion of, of you sure. and, the, and this page and all the things, but posting about a healthy way of eating or a healthy way of living can be difficult on social media. We all live in a world today now where more and more people are realizing that not everyone can have the same diet. Not everyone can do the same workout plan and achieve the same result, right? So people are unique and require maybe a more one-to-one match. So how do you try to open your content to the most people possible all while trying to maintain what's meant for Georgia, like your plan, your specific needs and your specific kind of programs and plans? Yes. No, I think that's so true in that, you know, there are so many people that are on social media and just in life looking for, you know, what is the answer? Tell me exactly what I need to be doing. And whether it's with Instagram, social media, whatever, or with clients, you know, I meet with a lot of prospective clients that are like, okay, so can you create a meal plan for me or, or, you know, workout plan? I'm like, well, first of all, no. Yeah. One, I'm not, you know, I'm not a certified personal trainer. That's not what I do. And second of all, I guess I, you know, I technically could create meal plans and things like that, but I very purposely choose not to. And the reason for that is it does not set people up for long-term success in the nutshell. And the reason for that is when you're spoon feeding people exactly what they need to do day after day, whether it's diet or exercise or whatever, but you're not teaching them why that's important or how to figure out on their own you're missing the mark. And it's yeah. sort of the whole old analogy, like you can teach a man to fish or you can, or you can give him a fish or you can teach him to fish. You know, it's like, yeah. I'm trying to teach people how to fish. So mm-hmm. I say this a lot, every, well, to every client that I work with, you know, that my goal as a coach, it's very genuinely is to set people up for success and to not need me at the end of the day, period. And that comes through teaching people how to think differently and how to act differently so that they can continue to build on those things on their own. So for, to bring it back to diet, like you were saying, you know, walking through what's the basic, you know, what's the basic breakdown of a really good, well-rounded meal? What are some things that you can, you know, here's some really great recipes to start diving into, you know, what are some foods that we want to, um, to play around with or things that maybe you're not comfortable cooking? How can we do that? Um, why should we be eating them? Why are they good for us? And taking that kind of approach and encouraging people to put these things together and put them into practice themselves so that when we're not working together at an end of a coaching program or, you know, once people that see your things on social media are living their own lives are able to actually you know, take your information and have it spark some creativity in themselves. You yeah. know what I mean? So, you know, when it comes to social media, sharing, you know, recipes and inspiration, I think is what I want to do and help people, you know, get creative. Like, Oh, I never thought of putting that together. Or that would be a really great meal to cook for dinner this week. Or, um, okay, wow, that's a great tip. You know, I should be eating more anti-inflammatory foods or whatever it is, um, versus 
you know, this is what I eat in a day. So you can look like me. That's Mm -hmm. not the goal. That's never been the goal. It's never going to be the goal. Like my page is my page, but I, you know, it's unlike, I think a lot of pages out there that are just so like, this is my body and this is how you get it. You know what I mean? Or do this workout. I'm like, that's just not the vibe for me. And instead I'm like, I want people to say like, wow, that was really helpful. Or I loved that workout class. It was so fun. Um, and have the intention be less on looking a certain way or having the answers laid out for them, but instead about, you know, just impacting their lives or the way they think differently, you know? Absolutely. And it's such a good point that you made about like, this is what I eat in a day. And like, cause that is, I've seen that become kind of the wave of content right now. Yeah, and it's for sure. It's very alarming. You know, it started with the like, get ready. I think what started, it was like the get ready with me. Like, I'm not yeah. even kidding. Cause then it's yeah. like, okay, well you got ready with me. Now eat breakfast with me. Now eat dinner. Right. You know what I mean? But um, I saw a Peloton instructor do this. She put out a, a video. It was like what a Peloton instructor eats in a day. And then she's like, just kidding. I'm not going to tell you because what I eat is going to be different than what you eat. And it That's should, true. you know, and I was like, Boom, nailed it. But yeah, it's so Ew. weird that yeah. it's been like the wave of content is like, this yep. is how I do it and this is how you should do it. It's, I, there's you know. part of me that always has felt really weird about that. I'm like, yeah. first of all, I don't really want to know what you eat in a day. Like, I isn't don't that- care. <laughs> it, it reminds me of like going, yeah, first of all, I don't care. And it reminds <laughs> me of like back in the day of like, I remember when like Facebook was beginning to be a thing, like pre-Instagram, whatever, yeah. you know, and like your freaking neighbor, Kathy next door is like, here's a picture of my breakfast and or whatever. Or like, I made this for dinner. And like, I remember like my dad being like, literally no one cares what you had for breakfast. Like you don't need to like share that with the world. And now it's funny kind of, cause it's like, that's sort of my job, but also meaning like sharing things like that. But, but like, I think from a greater sense, like I just have always felt really weird about it. And yeah. I've always had the stance, you know, since day one of making my page, like I just didn't do what I eat in the days. And they always have been a thing, but in the past, to your point, for sure, past like, I don't know, six months, maybe it, they've like skyrocketed. I'm like, it's I don't know that the TikTok world thing, Gen Z taking over with I what I eat today is. And my perspective on them as, you know, you hear a lot of like people are using them for recipe inspiration. I'm like, well, then just share the recipe. And yeah. most people that like, I don't find that to be true for the majority of people that are watching what I eat in the days. Mostly because people are using to say like, okay, wow, that fitness influencer is so fit. You know, I want her body. So that I'm going to look, I'm going to take very literally what she eats in a day. And I'm going to try to replicate that. And I don't always think the intention of the influencer is as pure as they like to say, but, oh, it's just for recipe inspiration. I don't think that's true either. I don't know. I, the whole thing, I just. It's just never been my jam. No hate no. to anyone who does them. Whatever. No, I mean, neither. No, I, I, I mean, but, we, we said we don't care. And like, I, that doesn't mean I hate it. I, it's just like, but to yeah. your point, like, it's just so funny. Cause like we, we used to laugh at Kathy right. or, or, you know, <laughs> Uncle Jim posting about like his, the chili he made for everybody. But yeah. now literally that's what, and like, that, like, that was like, oh, it's okay. Boomer. Are off that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, boomer, don't do that. And then like, we're literally like all the Gen Zers and right. people on TikTok today are doing the exact same thing, just in short form video content. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's, yeah, it's, just, it's funny how like the same thing comes around and it's nothing new, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I, don't know. I, I agree. And I think that it, the moral of the story with anything, whether it's what I eat in the days or just content in general yeah. on Instagram or your blog or podcast, whatever, you know, I've, this sounds so like corny and, but it really is genuine. Like I want it to be important. Like what I share, I want it to have value. Yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe it's like making someone think about something differently, giving them a tidbit of something to implement in their week, whatever. That when I started it, the whole idea of like goodness with G, 
is I wanted it to be broad enough because I was like, first of all, wanted it to play off my name, G, everyone calls me G, obviously. But I was like, you know, goodness, it's sharing things that bring goodness into my life and hopefully can do the same in other people's lives. And sort of off what you said earlier is, you know, keeping, like you said, keeping your content broad enough, but also reaching the right people, which is a, a delicate balance. And I, my perspective on that, for better, for worse, I'm by no means a like Instagram brand strategist or like know everything about that by any means. But, you know, I think there's like, you know, you, what you hear a lot is like niche your content really, really tightly so that you're re- reaching the right people. And since day one, I've always, I've had the same argument that I'm like, why would I do that? One, because yeah. I have a lot of interests. Like I yeah. like a lot of things. Yeah. I'm not, you know, and you'd run out of things to talk about if you're only, your whole page is on one tiny little thing. And I'm like, I, I even had a, this is so funny. Some a woman that works for my dad, um, she's hilarious. And one time she, why, how would you come up with things to talk about every single day on your page? I'm like, because there's so much to talk about right. in this world of wellness, health, fitness, you know, lifestyle. Like it's, I could talk about it forever, you know? And so um, I think actually broadening my lens has actually been beneficial to keeping me more interested in it. And you know, obviously appealing to a majority of people. And I do think that perhaps if I had niched my page more specifically on some specific topic, perhaps my growth would be more exponential. You know, I know, know of friends and, you know, a lot of influencers that have have very niche topics and they've, you know, when you hit it at the right time, whether it's for COVID or whatever, you know, the trend at the moment, people's pages explode and that's great. But at the end of the day, like, is that your goal or is the goal to be true to yourself and share content that's intentional to you and they are not going to get sick of, you know? So I don't know. Maybe that's not the right perspective, but that's my perspective. I don't know. No, it's, it's, it's the right perspective. If you're on this show, I've said it, I think, (laughs) uh, God, I think my listeners are going to be so sick and tired of me saying this. Like I, I, I don't, I don't hate it. I despise the niche market just because like to your, like you just preached everything that I've said on the show. Okay, good. We're on the same but page. I, I want to say too, like to, to your point of like those people that are going to get that have those niche pages or, or whatever, hit the right, hit the right virality at the right time, yeah. whatever it is. I think of it now as like, they just hit, they're getting on the faster elevator. Like, I, I mean, right. maybe they're getting to the top floor faster, but they're they're They have a ceiling and maybe yeah. we don't I like, and, and maybe we do. But I just think like right now, right. if I can reach the masses, why like why talk about college swimming for 52 weeks out of the year? Right. You think about it, like the, like I, I always use that analogy, but like the Bachelor podcast that everyone loves. Don't get me wrong, great podcast. But what do you talk about when like getting old? Get we're getting over it. Yeah. Right. And that, that's the thing, is there to your point, there is a ceiling. And I think I've seen it with certain yeah. people and brands, and you know, you hit a point where I think it's, you know that trend or whatever niche market you're talking to is no longer relevant right. or it's changed or whatever. And being adaptable is important. And, you know, and I think as a, from a personal perspective, I think people get really, then they either freak or they get down on themselves when this exponential growth they have is no longer a thing. And right. my, from an Instagram perspective, you know, my growth has been, it's not been terrible by any means. I'm very grateful for it, but it's been, it's been a slow churn. It has been a, I feel like, you know, all of the growth that's happened, like I have, I feel like I've fought for that through just consistency and doing the thing and just staying the course and it'll be, it's a slower growth, but I do feel like 
I have a really, really awesome engaged audience. Like I connect with people, like not just like, oh, I connect with people, meaning like we literally talk, you know, like yeah. I have people that I have connected with, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. And, and people that I feel like, um, you know, I really got to know. And so I will take the slower burn for an audience, whatever you want to call it, or, you know, community of people that are more lifers and you're on your page. Yes. And so, and it seems it's hard when you're just starting out to like, to see that. But I think now I have a little bit of perspective that, and there's a long road ahead of me, trust me, I'm still new to so much of this, but um, I feel like I have a group of people that around me that I've been able to get to know and that are more steadfast, you know? So anyway, we're on the Absolutely. same page. <laughs> Absolutely on the same page. So this next question comes from my girlfriend, Eve, and I do want to give her a shout out because she was the one that got me hooked on your content. Love it. Fantastic. <laughs> so, She's the best. I love it. I love it. So for someone who feels that they don't have enough time in the day to stay and maintain a healthier diet or exercise more throughout the week, what sort of recommendations do you have that can help those feeling that they just don't have enough time? Like it's just yeah. too busy for all of this. Totally get it. I think that's again, so common. I, a lot of the clients I work with, most people work nine to five jobs and right. are very busy. And I think the, you know, it sounds so cliche, but like, you know, it's, we make time for things that are important to us. I always have clients sort of do this practice or this I don't know, exercise practice, whatever of when we're goal setting at the very beginning and thinking about what we're going to be working on of, you know, coming back to our values and writing down, you know, a handful of values, things that are important to you, whether it's, you know, examples of that could be, uh, success could be a value, family, um, you know, relationships, travel, whatever, um, free time, all these things could be things that you really value. And I think getting clear on what those are is important. And then taking a really honest look at how you're spending your time and how you're acting in things that you do in your everyday life and being critically honest with yourself, like is how I'm spending my time in line with my values. Most of us, a lot of times we're like, mm, maybe not, you know, for example, like if we're, you know, family is a huge value or, you know, relationships is a huge value of yours, but we're spending zero time really reaching out and connecting and making plans and seeing these people. Well, that doesn't really align. And that's usually when we're feeling unfulfilled and sad and, you know, like we're missing something when we're actions, when our actions don't line up with those values. So yeah. that being said, you know, looking at how we're spending that free time, you know, when we're outside of work, maybe it's, if we're being really honest, okay, it's on social media or it's, um, you know, watching, binge watching Netflix or whatever it is, but our values are, um, you know, physical activity or, you know, continued education and pushing myself. And so we're like, okay, could I, can I swap out that 15 minutes of scrolling on TikTok before bed with reading a book for 15 minutes or listening to a podcast on a walk or something like that? Usually there, there is time to usually do these things that we want to do. It might mean that we have to sacrifice some of our bad habits, but that's a positive thing. Yeah. And if that, you know, if we're being really honest with what's, you know, what with our actions and our values, you know, those things become pretty clear. If that, does that make yeah. sense? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Making, I love that. Making time for the things that are important to you and that you value is my moral of the story. I love that. I love that. I wanted to switch gears here to maybe more of a topic of mental health. First, yeah. I wanted to ask around as a health coach and an online presence for a healthy lifestyle, are there ever days where you're feeling like 
I'm just not in the mood to post about this sheet pan recipe or this yoga sculpt <laughs> class. I want a pizza and a beer and I want to binge Netflix for the, you know, three hours or I want to scroll TikTok for two hours or whatever it is. Have, have those ever crept in? Oh, 1000%. Honestly, this, I've talked about this on my page that, you know, I feel, I'm feeling like I'm coming out of the cave but you know, my whole month of January was exactly that. I was just like, I am wonky. My energy's wonky. I'm not, I don't know what's going on. And that's normal. It would be weird to think that, you know, that anyone has it all figured out that anyone doesn't have those days. And, you know, I think that kind of what I said earlier, I do put a lot of pressure on myself and I feel like I do have to kind of fight this need to, um, feeling of this, fight this feeling that I need to have it all together. And that, you know, when I'm coaching people on how to improve their lives, like I need to have my life together and things like that, which is not always the case. So logically understand that, but it is something that I can kind of struggle with, with accepting that it's okay to have bad days. It's okay to be off um, and not do all of the things that I'm preaching to my clients sometimes too. So, but to answer your question, absolutely. And I do think that you need to have those days where you are not productive and that you sit and eat a pizza and drink beer and binge watch Netflix for your mental health. Like those things are just as important as cooking the healthy meal and going on a run. You know what I mean? Like it feeds a different element of your health, whether it's your social health, being with friends, your emotional health, like just being offline for a week or whatever it is. And, and that's okay. So just because I'm a health coach or a, you know, whatever, by no means means I have it all figured out, but God knows. Um, But I do, you know, but on the other hand, I do think that having my page as, you know, a source of accountability has been good because it does make me many days have to kind of choose a more positive perspective because I want to show up in a way that is, is positive the majority of the time. I also think it's important to share when you're like having a bad day because people resonate with that too. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, you want it to be genuine, but I also, you know, that is overall the energy I really want to put out there. And so sometimes it forces me to kind of get over my, my hump and like, you know, look at things a little bit differently. And that's really good too. Cause it actually, for someone who I do struggle with anxiety and have forever, and it gets me out of those funks sometimes where I'm like, I got to, put this behind me and show up and it actually makes me feel better to have to, to have to do those things. So I I love that. Do you have, do you have, do you have something now or that you've always been doing that like is like the Kickstarter to help you get out of a funk usually, or like whether it's a meal, whether it's a specific type of workout, whatever it is, do you have like that one thing that usually gets, gets the flame reignited? Yeah. I mean, I, I really love to run and I, I do not run as much as I used to, but it really is, I think one of the simplest ways to just obviously get a great workout in, but you know what I mean? Like just shake things up. And I love you get to be outside. That's really what I like about it is it just gets you out there. You get in nature, you just, you get some sun on you, hopefully. Like if it's nice (laughs) out, like you just, you get out of your space, you shake things up. So that's always, I think, really helpful for me. I always feel really good after I do something like that. Um, And I, also think that meditation has been a huge, it's been a really powerful and important addition to my routine in the past several years, but really got serious about my practice in the past like two years. And that's been huge. I think that mm-hmm. making myself sit down and do that daily, but especially in the days where I'm just like, 
I'm having a day or off, I'm not feeling good. And that doesn't mean every meditation is great either, you know, or like makes me feel 1000% better, but it usually makes me feel 1% better. You know, like I love that just just a tick and that's cool. You know, maybe that's what that day needed. So those two things are huge. Um, And I think the, you know, another thing would be, I'm someone who really, really needs alone time and giving myself time to just like, even like go run an errand, go get a coffee by myself or sit in my room alone. And I just, I really recharge on alone time. And so maybe that's not posting on social media that day. Maybe that's my alone time where I just get offline or it's, mm-hmm. you know, just holding up for a minute and for a weekend or whatever, and just saying no and using that time to kind of, um, let me have an off day or an off moment so that I can actually show up the next day, the next week better. So those are things that I do. I love that. So I wanted to also ask you about your journey in becoming a a yoga sculpt instructor. You're now at Core Power Yoga down in Austin, Texas. And this question comes from a dear friend of mine, Nat, who got the chance to do a class down in Texas uh, a while back. What made you get into sculpt specifically? And can you kind of take us through your journey of becoming an instructor at Core Power? Because I know you've also did you know, a stint during the pandemic where you were, you know, doing more on Instagram TV and all that type of stuff, full classes from your, from your living room. So how did this all come to be? I, you know, I was an avid sculpt taker. I don't know. You know, I I was a student for, for a long time, (laughs) a student, I don't know, um, for a long time. And I just loved the class. It was a really fun way to obviously get a good workout in, but it was a real, you know, it was really my first experience feeling like, okay, wow, this studio has a sense of community. People know the teachers, like people are talking, like it was just fun. And I was never a huge athlete, to be perfectly honest. Um, just was organized sports were never my jam. Just was never <laughs> coordinated, honestly. But, <laughs> but I really, you know, in college, I began, you know, started running. I really liked that. And I, you know, it was taking pure more and things like that. So I was getting more into fitness versus like sports, I would say. And I really, it really ignited a love for that. But I started taking yoga school classes actually when I was an intern living in Austin, like after maybe my junior year of college mm-hmm. um, and just loved the studio, really connected with the teachers. Thought it was great and just fell in love with these classes. It was really a fun way to, there was a nice balance of relaxation and Zen and like mindfulness, which I had never really experienced before. Um, but then also, you know, there was cardio and there was strength training and it was really focused on getting stronger. And I just thought the whole thing was just like, this is my jam. Like I agree yeah. with it all. I think it's all fun. And it's just, it, you know, it just really scratched the itch. And so I fell in love with it as a student. And then, like I said earlier, you know, when I was going through my midlife crisis and was just like, I need to do some things that are fun and that seem scary, but interesting. And, you know, things like making a blog, making a social media or a Instagram, whatever, going through teacher training were all these things that had been kind of in the back of my mind as things I really wanted to do, but I was kind of too afraid to, to admit it or afraid to put it out there because it was scary. And what if I failed? And you know what I mean? So I finally just kind of just signed up and did it. And it was so fun. I met yeah. a lot of great people. I had a great time and, um, and then started teaching and it really, now I can look back and like, wow, teaching has so positively impacted my life. Not just because, you know, I get, I've been able to meet a lot of really great people. It's a fun, just kind of outlet creatively. It's fun to make classes and things like that all true. But the biggest thing I think is like 
forcing myself to get in front of a room of strangers and talk for an hour is something that I literally would have pooped my pants thinking about. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. You would have freaked out. I did a, a yeah. speaking class in college. You had to go do like a two minute speech and I almost threw up. Like, oh my hey, that was not my thing. That was it, my, that's the only class I got a hundred percent in. You <laughs> did it See, like, and now you're a podcast host. So here we are. But yeah. But, you know, I was just, that was not my strong suit. I thought, I didn't think, but it pushed me to get, get comfortable thinking on my feet and speaking out of front of strangers and having to present yourself in a way that was confident. And even if you weren't feeling confident and a lot of those, the things that I learned through teaching over and over again, I've honestly, I think it's why I can do what I do now. I mean, with clients and things like that, I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's made me more confident and more capable to do a lot of other stuff. So I think that's, it's been valuable, but yeah, I, you know, teach a core power and just I, a couple times a week, really for fun. You know, it's yeah. by no means my full-time job, but I have a great time doing it. And it kind of transitioned to online teaching during the pandemic. And I still kept some, some of that up because there's so many people that follow me or whatever that don't live in Austin and can't take class. And they, I get a lot of requests for them. So I'm like, if people like these classes, like, sure I'll do it Instagram live it's fun so um yeah it's been it's been a really really awesome just addition to all the other things you know I love it and I have to applaud too like any sort of fitness instructor that you know like I I put it in another category beyond public speaking because you're public speaking while actively sweating while actively exhausting yourself (laughs) but you have to be the one that's like let's go you know what I mean like you have to be the one that's and then the rest of the class can be like you know, like they don't have to talk. <laughs> right. right. And honestly, it's often harder. Like I will yeah. take a class and I'll teach a class or like in a, comparing those two experiences, obviously both very challenging, but honestly, teaching may be harder. You're not, you're physically not doing, you know, half of the workout, but right. it's just screaming and like talking and being up and it's energetically more draining because right. it's not just physically draining. It's emotionally mentally you're yelling you're thinking you're like your brain is having to think of the words that you're going to say so it, right. but it's honestly I'm like I think this is keeping my brain young I don't think I'll ever have, like have Alzheimer's because I swear it's like having to think and move and like all these things at the same time or even like sequence like come up with with moves that go to the beat and they oh. work or knowing the beats and the countdowns and stuff I was like this is has to be keeping my brain young right. I don't know but I may have just come up with the cure for Alzheimer's. I'm not sure. <laughs> I love like, that. Oh man. It might be gold. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I remember taking your class and I, I don't know why I told you about this, but it just makes me laugh because I took the one that Sam did with you and I felt like I He's was like- Sam. I was Sam because him and I were on the same wavelength. When you started, like the one, two moves I could do, when yeah. you started bringing in four, five, six, all in the one motion, I was like, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm out. I'm done. I'm yeah, good. He- he his his pain is so visible and <laughs> I get that all the time they're like he's as you if you've seen any of my recent classes he's just out he's like I'm good like he's always he conveniently comes up with plans on the days that I have classes that he's teaching I was like oh darn I'm like okay it's fine but <laughs> you know what we it's good I think it keeps people like people like I identify with Sam in this class right now <laughs> yes that, yeah that was me oh. that was definitely me so all right Georgia we have gotten to a por- the portion of the show where we're, I'm going to let you ask me anything so it can be one question hey. it could be a couple questions but you've sat here for the hour and heard me ask all the questions I have so now it is your turn to ask hey. me anything. okay my question amongst you know I come up with a gazillion but 
just the, I mean, you've obviously interviewed so many incredible people in very different realms and of different professions, which is so cool. Going back to our thought earlier of, you know, you've got a great wide audience. It's fun. <laughs> but what is the most, I guess, maybe powerful or impactful or maybe memorable, whatever piece of advice or conversation that you've had thus far? Wow. It's really hard because I know you've had a lot. That is a really like, or miss maybe something that you feel like has really stuck with you. Maybe as a, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, I, I love this. And, and uh, yeah, maybe it's not like the number one because it's hard to pick yeah. just one, but maybe a couple that have definitely like stayed with me is I've always felt weird around uncom- being uncomfortable because I don't ever really get uncomfortable. So when I was, I was having a conversation with Christine Snaps, um, this was like a year, two years ago. And yeah. we just kind of like, we're on the same wavelength of when we are uncomfortable, we turn to comedy. And sometimes that's not necessarily the, like the traditional route, because when people are uncomfortable, they don't want to laugh or like when people are uncomfortable, they don't want to talk even. Mm -hmm. So there is this like goofball side of some of us that when we're super uncomfy, we make jokes. Like, and for me, that came from my lazy eye. Like when I was uncomfortable with people, like not knowing where I was looking, I would just disarm and go, well, sorry, I have a lazy eye or like put the iPad, like pretend to put the eye patch on. Like that just, and they've got, it disarmed them. It made them feel less uncomfortable. And so that was like, that was a big, like eye-opening thing, pun intended. Uh, (laughs) But so like, I never really like formulated that though into like an actual conversation and like ever really met someone that also feels like that. So that was something that was really big for me. I think that's great. Yeah. Well, I think it's the whole kind of idea of being sort of self-deprecating, which a lot of us are to a certain extent, which on one hand can be kind of endearing and that you're like, well, that person is humble and down to earth. And, you know, but to a certain extent too, it's like, you know, am I using this just to fill the space or to make someone else feel more comfortable? And anyway, that's a really interesting um, tidbit. I'm glad that that stuck with you, you know? Yeah. And I think too, like going back to your, like the self-deprecating stuff. Cause like, I, I, I mean, hello, the show is normal guy, lazy. Eye. We talk about my, like my lazy eye a couple of times, but like, <laughs> but like sometimes like, like people can see self-deprecating humor or whatever as kind of like, all right, we get it. Like you're making fun of yourself. But like, right. I also, I hate when people view it like that because right. like my goal is to laugh with you about yeah silly things about me and my hope is that in conversations everyone can just be open about themselves and find those silly goofy things about themselves mine just happens to be very very visible and and the one thing that you do when you talk to somebody is eye contact and I lack it and I can't do anything about that so like it's just it's it's the first thing you're going to notice about me and it's hopefully like something that you can leave talking for me and, and being like that was funny or something like that right. I don't know so like self-deprecating because like I know a lot of comedians do a lot of self-deprecating humor and right. it gets funny and then they're like okay is this guy gonna spend the whole hour making fun of himself right and like I don't want you to think or listeners to think that like this podcast is just a self-deprecation of me it's right. more like this is my thing let's go find out everybody else's things yeah I exactly that yeah. But that's a really great way to spin it. I think too, it's like, yeah, you're not taking yourself so seriously and you're allowing other people to put their guard down too. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly. the idea. And I think exactly. that that resonates. I get yeah. it. 
I got that. <laughs> Phew. All right. We got one <laughs> listener. No. <laughs> I'm on board. Woo-hoo. I love it. That's a great, that's a good little tidbit. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. I love it. Awesome. All right. So we have one final question for you. And I, I've, this is like the second time in a row. So I usually don't do this. I don't usually give the guests the last question. I mean, maybe sometimes they listen to the show and they know it, but I don't usually give it to them ahead of time, but I did give it to you. So here it is, Georgia, if you were to write your autobiography today, what would be the title of it and why? I mean, obviously I would have to do a playoff of goodness. Good. It's just, it's a part of the brand now. So we have to do that and it just makes sense, but it also is so fitting because I feel like you could do so much with that, but this is, I mean, this is sort of kind of easy, I guess, because I use this not really tagline. I don't know if that's even a thing, but in a variety of things that I do, but it's, it's do good, be good, like do good comma, be good. And I think the whole idea of that is, you know, when you're doing good for yourself or for others, you're going to be a better version of yourself. So, and good can look, you know, that looks different for everyone. And that can, that covers a lot of things, you know, maybe it's, putting good things into your body. It's doing good things to your body through physical activity. It's, you know, doing good things for other people. It's, you know, doing good things for your mental health, whatever it is. So it's do good, be good would be the name of my autobiography, which will be coming out in 2024. <laughs> yes. I, no, I love that. We have a lot of other work that needs to be done before then, but you inspired <laughs> me. Thank you. You're welcome. No, I was going to, I was going to, I was also going to ask like, what's your, like, what's the next big thing? But I think we just uncovered that the autobiography coming out in 2024. Oh <laughs> You've inspired me. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Well, Georgia, this has been an absolute blast. Definitely one of my favorite interviews that we've had on the show. So thank you so much for coming. I'm so glad we got to, the chance to finally do this. And I, I wish you all the best. I will be down in Austin, Texas in uh october for my best friend's wedding so we'll definitely i'll have to look at your core power class i'm gonna have to get in much better shape first but i'll be (laughs) hey you have you got some months ahead of you to you know start practicing at home you can take some classes online and you'll be ready to go exactly and i'm a groomsman too so your class might be exactly what i need after the wedding so (laughs) awesome Perfect. Oh, that's so fun. Hopefully I can see you. I'd love that. Yes, absolutely. We'll definitely have to stay in touch. And again, thank you so much. I've had an absolute blast. I hope you did too. Thank you. This was seriously so fun and you made it a blast. So thank you for everything. Absolutely. All right. I'll talk to you soon. So seriously, I can't say enough good things about our guests on this week's episode, Georgia Perkins, goodness with G, you are the absolute best. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing more of your story. I hope as the listeners, you guys got some really good tidbits on today's conversations. I, I personally haven't really opened up about internal conversations and kind of the internal conversations that I've had about this podcast or even just my life in general. And I kind of just came to the realization with Georgia that it's okay to just press the mute button on those and just freaking do it until those conversations come to fruition. And nine times out of nine, they never really do. Also too, I love the question asking portion of the show. I started doing that here in 2022 and it has definitely made me open up a little bit more as the host of the show. It has definitely made me open up to strangers more, especially after they are so welcoming and, and opening to me on these episodes. So hope you guys enjoy that just as much as I do. Thank you guys so much for all the support. Last thing I'll say about Georgia, um, you can find her on Instagram, TikTok. I'll leave links to all things goodness with G 
in the description of this week's podcast. Thank you to our sponsors, Tier. Thank you to the listeners. And you can feel free to follow us on social media at NormalGuyLazyEye on Instagram and TikTok. And that does it for all the shameless plugs. That does it for this week's episode. I will see you all next week with a brand new guest.